0: It's late, well, it's early Sunday morning, and just been kind of busy, haven't been able to sleep tonight. Uh, I was going to... I came in and opened the Matthews Bible, and Isaiah 40 just kind of was there, and I'm going to read that. But earlier today, I pulled up my 1611 edition King James Version of the Holy Bible, which I thought was... uh, I thought it was awesome when I had moved from the regular King James James to the 1611, and it's got a lot of pages about how Bibles came about, and I know I had marked in here when I first read it, there was something about how Satan corrupts the Bible, they actually talk about it. If I can find it real quick, I'd read it. I know it would be highlighted in red. I don't see it quite yet, let me see. Well anyway, but it talks about, <laughs> I just happened to open it up earlier and it, uh, I noticed the. Uh, they were talking about the Matthew's Bible. I can't find it, but it also, in the 1560 G- Geneva, the writers do the same thing. They talk about how Satan corrupts the uh, scripture. And it, I wish I could find it, it's, man, just bear with me one second, I usually, it should be highlighted. Looks like my yellow highlighters was kind of fading away. Well, anyway, it is in here, but okay, so it's... I just happened to look at this earlier. It says, this is out of the 1611 King James now uh, by Hendrickson. It's it's talking about the earlier English translations. It says, uh, and now think of, uh, you know, the Matthew's Bible, these writers uh, were sought after, and I can't remember which one of the th- three they were hanged and then burned at the stake uh, for what they've done. And anyway, this is coming from King James. So remember the principalities of this world are where the evil is. So, you know, governments, institutions, churches, you name it, education, university. Science, all that stuff, to me, that's what I believe. Anyway, it says, as was inevitable, the Matthew Bible was quickly superseded, but its importance was very great since it formed the starting point of the successive revisions. (laughs) So when it came out, they were already set to revise it, which resulted in the version of 1611, which is the King James. It says a matter for sincere congratulation, as it contains save for the rejection of his version. They're talking about the 1611. They rejected the version of Nehemiah, Jonah, and the Epistles from the Old Testament. The greatest possible possible amount of the work of Tyndall, who is a far better scholar than Coverdale. Uh, now that's not godly. God doesn't judge. There's he doesn't have. Uh, respect for any man so right there it's leading telling us this is coming from evil it was however to the latter who was known to have been been in England early in 1538 so Matthew's Bible came out in 1537 that the task of revising it and expunging all controversial annotation was entrusted so when it came out they set to alter it. It was intended at first to substitute new notes, but although signs drawing attention to these uh, were printed, the notes themselves were suppressed for the revision of the text. Great use was made in the Old Testament of a new Latin translation from the Hebrew by Sebastian Monster, published in 15 it says 1534 and 35, but who knows? while the Testament was compared afresh with the translation of Erasmus. And I looked, I just did a Google search, Erasmus. He was a Catholic priest, classic scholarship, uh, Northern Renaissance man. So he was into the sciences and everything about men being great. And the Complutentian Polyglort. Now this sounds like stuff I'd read out of the Catholic um, Eucharism. I guess that's his name, so I Googled that. It says... uh, this guy, financed, uh, this guy was financed by Cardinal Francisco Jimenez. So the institutions, once they fa- read, got their hands on the 1537 Matthews, they were set to change it, which was through Bible revisions. No English office being considered sufficiently well-equipped to produce so, so large a book in a handsome manner or with the speed desired Uh, It goes on. uh, In November, the king issued a proclamation, which reflects the scandal caused to the less progressive churchmen. They're calling them names, the guys that wrote the Matthew's Bible, by the notes and prologues in Matthew's Bible, and. I, I have part of the Romans prologue, and it's extremely informative on understanding the Bible. Um, I just Some of the stuff I underlined, it says, uh, Dissensions has been set up concerning the sacraments. Okay, and, I'm sorry, let me just start at the top. It says, In consequence of the import in certain printed books from abroad and the publication of others here with privilege, contained annotations in the margins, and see... Yep. <laughs> imagined by the makers and printers of these books, they're talking about the 1537 Matthews, it says, dissension was, has been set up concerning the sacraments. And see, it is therefore ordered, number one, that no English books printed abroad be brought into the country on on pain of forfeiture of all goods and imprisonment. Number two, no persons no person to print any English book except after examination by some of the privy Council or other persons appointed. So this is all appointed government, institution, church leaders. The words come priv... I don't know Latin, but come privilego rega not to be used without ad imprimendum solemn. And the whole copy or the effect of the license to be printed underneath... No copies of scripture with annotation, annotations to be printed except they are first examined, but only the plain sentence with a table. No translations to be printed without the name of the translator unless the printer answer for it as his own. No printer to publish any books of scripture in English till they are examined by the king or one of the private council or bishop. And... I'm not going to read it, but in the Matthew's Bible, in the intro, the writers, they talk how they used uh, they used a little deceit to get the Bible printed and uh, gave the king false names, basically, to get it printed under the king of England at that time. It says, while these provisions were clearly directed to prevent a reverence of the scandal of 1537... They're calling the Matthews Bible a scandal. Some of them naturally caused great alarm to Grafton and Coverdale, who wrote at once to Cromwell to know how they were to be met. But a heavier blow was awaiting them. That's because they were looking to kill these guys. Um, it says the relations between England and France were becoming critical, and the French ambassador learning of Cromwell's personal interest in the English Bible, which was being printed at Paris, wrote home suggesting that it should be seized. Uh, and uh, kind of, it says, on December 9th, the crisis was intensified by the execution of Cardinal Pole's relations on a charge of treason. On December 13th, Coverdale became alarmed and wrote to Cromwell that he had deposited some of the printed sheets, quantity unspecified, with the English ambassador, Bishop Bonner, that something at least might be saved from the threatened work threatened wreck Hmm. four days later the inquisitors were let loose on the printing office Regnault was arrested the English correctors had to flee for their lives and all the stock on the premises was seized for conveyance to the custody of the University of Paris and I'm just going down a paragraph or so and it's just a bunch of rambling uh, crap it seems probable that in the Colophon just quoted there was at least a touch of bravado. Doubtless, the completion in any form of the edition in April 1539 was indeed, quote, the Lord's doing. And that would be Lucifer. And doubtless, even though he's a king, anyway. And doubtless, its editors desired that it should appear marvelous in the eyes of their enemies. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to go into all that, but... Isaiah, uh, chapter 40. Let's go. It's pretty good. It says, the coming, the intro, it says, the coming of St. John the Baptist, the preparation of the apostles, the calling of the Gentiles. It says, be of good cheer, my people, be of good cheer, saith our God, comfort Jerusalem and tell her that her travail is at end. And there's a reference to travail. It says her travail is at end. That is, the time of her captivity, which endured seventy years, is finished. It says that her if offense is pardoned, that she hath received of the Lord's hand sufficient correction for all her sins. A voice crieth, Prepare the way for the Lord in the wilderness. And the wilderness is the earth, the cities. Anyway, make straight the path for our God in the desert. Let all valleys be exalted and every mountain and hill be laid low. Whatso is crooked, let it be made straight and let the rough places be made plain fields. It says for the glory of the Lord shall appear and all flesh shall see it for why the mouth of the Lord have spoken it. And right before the the glory of the Lord shall appear, there was a reference, and it's a kind of... Let me just start. It says, The prophets call the glory of the Lord the righteousness that should be shown by the gospel, whereby we should become righteous in the sight of God the Father, for His Son Christ merits. This glory shall all flesh see, that is, all men... As well, the Jews, as the Gentiles that believe, alike, saying, Have you ever, in the... In the 60... Huh. And like saying, Have you after, in the 60, and the glory of the Lord shall rise upon thee. Sorry, that got jumbled up a little bit. The same voice spake, spoke, now cry. And I said, and I said, what shall I cry? Then spake it, then spoke it, that all flesh is grass, and that all the duty thereof, I'm sorry, and that all the beauty thereof, and there's a reference, see, talking about the grass, all the beauty thereof is the flower, and see, that is, all the good doing, all the good living, all the holiness and virtue, all the righteousness thereof and cetera, ser- is of no value. Endureth no longer than the flower of the f- field. Only Christ is our righteousness and holiness. And this, and this side note references to 1 Corinthians 1D, And so let me come back here. 1 Corinthians 1D. Corinthians. It says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews an occasion of falling, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both of the Jews and Greeks. And let's see, there's a note on this. It says the Greeks signify sometimes their own nation only, as in the Acts six a. Sometimes all the Gentiles are here. And Romans one b. It says we preach Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Brethren, look unto, look on your calling. Now that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many of high degree are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound things which are mighty. And vile things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yeah, and things of no reputation... For to bring to naught things of reputation, that no flesh should rejoice in his presence, and unto him pertain you in Christ Jesus, which of God is made unto us wisdom, and also righteousness, and sanctifying and redemption, that according as it is written, he which rejoiceth should rejoice in the Lord. And there's a little side note there. I'll just read it. Have a, it says he rejoiceth in the Lord, which knoweth certainly that God willeth him good, and favoureth him, so that the thing which he doth doeth pleaseth God, and the which he doeth not, as he should do, is forgiven, forgiveth him, and not imputed unto him, and that even that little side reference references Jeremy, Jeremiah six g and Romans eight c. Okay, I'm going back down. Hopefully I didn't lose my place here. Oh goodness. Crap I did. Hold on. Sorry. Give me just a second here. The prophet's called the glory. Okay. Okay, here we go. For the glory of the Lord shall appear, and all flesh shall see it. For why? The mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The same voice spoke now cry okay. I think I'm rereading this, I'm sorry. And I said, What shall I cry? Then spake it that all flesh is grass, and that all the beauty thereof is as the flower of the field when the grass is withered, the flower shall falleth away, even so is the people as grass. When the breath of the of the Lord bloweth upon them, nevertheless. Whether the grass wither or the flower fade away, yet the word of our God endureth forever. Moreover, the voice cried thus, says, Go up unto the hill, O Zion, thou that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with power, O thy priest, preacher, Jerusalem. And there was a no, Go up to the hill, it says D, says, Sion and Jerusalem, Hang on, let me put my finger where I'm reading. (laughs) Okay, it says, Sion and Jerusalem, by which understand the church of the faithful, do preach and bring good tidings. That is, show the grace and health that hath been long wasted for, and, let me put my pen there because I think this one's going to reference even further. That is now, Obtained and given by Christ. And this references to Matthew 11a. Let's hope I got my markers close. Yeah, Matthew 11a. It says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, that he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities, when John, being in prison, Heard the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that shall come, or shall we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the halt go, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead rise again, and the glad tidings is preached to the poor. And happy is he that is not offended by me. And as they departed, Jesus began to speak unto the people of John, to see what went at, to see what went went ye out into the wilderness? Went ye out to see a reed shaken with wind? And it says the reed is a figure of the doctrine that is not of God, which waveth with every wind. It says it says other. What went you out for to see, and man, a man clothed in soft raiment? That's talking about your pastors, preach, clergy, popes. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went you out for to see? A prophet? Yeah, I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written. Says, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, which shall prepare the way before thee. And we'll go back to this second reference on this side note. It says Luke 2b. And just think, uh, Luke 2b. I think I'm on it. Yep. Luke 2b. It says, And there went in the same region shepherds abiding in the field and watching their stock by night, and to the angel of the Lord stood hard by them, and the brightness of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. But the angel said unto them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy that shall come to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord and take this for a sign you shall find the child swaddled and laid in a manger and straightway there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly soldiers lauding God and saying glory to God on high and peace on earth and unto men Rejoicing and lauding is praising. I, I looked that up prior. Um, and then it, there's a note in Peace on Earth. It says, In peace on the earth, peace here signifieth reconciliation and remission of our sins, as Paul calleth Christ our peace. Our peace, I'm sorry. And that even references to Ephesians 2c. So these side notes in the Matthews Bible, to me, they were pretty spot on. So that little intro about in the King 1611 King James, it's heresy, if you will. <laughs> uh, okay, we're coming back to uh, Isaiah 40. Okay, lift up. Go, okay, I'm kind of re- back to where we were. It says, "'Go up unto the hill of Sion,' Thou that bringest good tidings, lift up your voice with power, O thou preacher Jerusalem, lift it up without fear, and say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God, behold the Lord, even the Almighty shall come with power and bear rule over his bear rule with his arm. Behold he bringeth his treasure with him, and his works go before him. He shall feed his flock like a herdsman. He shall gather the lambs together with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall kindly entreat those that bear young. Who hath holden the waters in his fist? Who hath measured heaven with his span and hath comprehended all the earth of the world in three fingers? Who hath weighed the mountains and hills? Who hath reformed the mind of the Lord? Or who is of his counsel to teach him and whom hath he asked counsel to make him understand and to learn him the way of judgment, to teach him science and to entrust him in the way of understanding. Behold, all people are are in comparison of him as a drop to to a bucketful and are counted as the least thing that the balance weigheth. Behold, The isles, or islands, are compassed of him as the shadow of the sunbeam. Lebanon is not sufficient to minister fire for his offering, and all the beasts thereof are not enough to one sacrifice. All people in comparison of him are reckoned as nothing, yea, vain, vanity, and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what similitude will you set up unto him? Shall the carver make him a carved image? And shall the goldsmith cover him with gold? Or cast him into a form of silver plates? And the, you know, when I was reading, I'm pausing for a second and my comment, when I was trying to understand idolatry and carve things where men... They'll cut a tree down and then, for example, make a uh what do you call it where the preachers preach from the um papal or the pupil, whatever it's called <laughs> yeah, men behind carved images, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, I got off track moreover, shall the image maker that the poor man which is disposed may have something to set up? also seek out and choose a tree that is not rotten <laughs> and carve there out an image that moveth not know ye not this heard you never of it hath it not been preached unto you since the beginning and that's by the book of the lord scripture have you not been informed of his, of this since the foundation of the earth was laid that, you, uh, that he setteth upon the circle of the world, and that all the inhabitants of the world are in comparison of him but as, but as grasshoppers. That he spread out the heaves, heavens, as a covering. That he stretcheth them out as a tent to dwell in. That he bringeth princes to nothing, and the judges of the earth to dust, so that they be not planted nor sown again. Neither their stock rooted against in the earth, for as soon as he bloweth upon them, they wither and fade away like the straw of a whirlwind. To whom now will you liken me, and whom shall I be like, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and consider who hath made those things which come out by so great heaps, and he can call them all by their names. For there is nothing hid unto the greatness of his power, strength, and might. How may then Jacob think? Or how may Israel say, My ways are hid from the Lord, and my God knowest not of my judgments? Knowest thou not, or hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord which made all, the corners of the earth is neither weary nor faint and that his wisdom cannot be comprehended, but that he giveth strength unto the weary and power unto the faint. Children are weary and faint and the strongest men fall, but unto them that have the Lord before their eyes shall strength. The increased eagles wings shall grow upon them when they run. They shall not fall. And when they go, they shall not be wary. And one thing I always ponder upon is the, from the Adventists, when I went to one of the seminars up in Maryland, I drove up from Georgia, it was, one of the words that stuck with me was, uh, what they call it, a paradigm shift. Yeah. It's just a shift in your thinking. And that's what this Matthew's Bible is doing on my journey from You know, becoming a deacon at the Adventist church, yeah, that was the paradigm shift. They were calling uh, the Catholic church, Roman Catholics, the pope. They were saying it's the institutions that are evil. It's not the pope himself. So they were just pointing at a different church. Sometimes, you and I remember the pastor's wife saying, you know, you have to look in the mirror. Now I'm thinking, yeah, dumbass, look in the mirror because you're the same as the Roman Catholics and all the other priests. In churches of this world, it's uh, anyway. And then I think on to in that uh, what was it called? It was called a discipleship maker thing or something. That's why I went up there, paid a hundred seventy-five bucks, I think, for to get in. And the guys, the paradigm shift stuck with me, and that's just a change in your thinking. Uh, but we know God. One of the words that they said was the omnipresence of God, and then I've read it in the Bibles, the NIV, the King James, the 1611 King James, 1560 Geneva, and the 1537 Matthews that I'm reading now. This is like my... I'm stopping here. Um, But God's like his omnipresence and omnipotence. He's just... (laughs) It's we can't even comprehend the things that he can do and how the holy Ghost can actually give us the understanding to open scripture up when we read it. We don't need a damn man uh, to take our money and then take one verse and make some stupid ass uh, sermon with about his family and uh, getting a car and the the prosperity gospel that's going around and all these spiritualism and all these new faith uh, musical ministries, I guess. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, also, if you are a listener, I, uh, last year, you know, the, I guess the Holy Ghost was calling me or what it, <laughs> however you want to call it, uh, but I was under some serious, like, evil stuff going on in my life anyway I canceled all my Facebook Twitter accounts took all my st- stuff off of the internet and uh, I was you know and I was all for um, you know supporting the president pre- you know sending money to him and all kinds of st- I mean you name it I'm involved I was involved in it but I took all those accounts down. So anyway, this about a week, week and a half ago, I reopened a Facebook account. You guys can uh, uh, try and friend me there. I've got some pictures, and I just posted a video tonight. Uh, some pretty interesting stuff. It's Bill Davis. Um, I'm in Columbus, Georgia, in the U.S., and... I pulled it up before I got on here. There was only four Bill Davises in Columbus, and um, my picture came up on top. I'm in a red T-shirt with some sunglasses on my, or eyeglasses on the top of my head and some white Apple EarPods in my uh, ears. You can friend me there and take a look at the video I, I posted if you want to. If not, it's okay. Um, or if you just have a question or something that you want me to read, I'll uh, friend whoever friends me here and uh, yeah I'll read something I'm not going to add to it or tonight's the most I've added to it because um, I I can just trust in the word and I feel safe just reading the scripture like it needs to be read And um, I truly hope this has helped the listener and good night